It's a special Suns versus Nuggets crossover episode of Locked On Nuggets and Locked On Suns. It starts now. I don't have music because we have different intros, so we can't do that. Uh, I'm Matt Moore. I'm Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys making us your first listen, whether you're listening to Locked On Suns or locked on nuggets appreciate you guys joining us making us part of your day appreciate you guys being a part of our communities i am joined by brendan clean from locked on sons at brendan clean 14 if you listen to this on the locked on sons podcast then i i'm taking over his show no like he's having <laughs> me on so we're, we're doing this crossover episode for nuggets versus sons want to get um brendan's thoughts such a great show over at locked on sons i am a regular listener that is not just me uh, blowing smoke i genuinely do like i check in regularly if i'm like i wonder how sons are, are are dealing with various things that's the first place that i go to listen to it uh i am host of locked on nuggets alongside adam morris who is not with us today the chat segment is probably like what where is he um brendan uh, is probably the most balanced sons podcaster given of the ones that i've listened I'll to take it um that's probably that's not good for the content though brendan so i'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need well, you to... really brought it with your intro there. That was uh, that was as r- pro wrestling as yeah. I've ever gotten. So look, the people probably appreciate that. Um, the Nuggets, yeah, maybe never, it's not I always do, great I do for the other content, one. I can do the Nuggets have never accomplished anything. The Suns have never faced a real team. Now yeah. they face off. Yeah, it's like there's a lot yeah. to, to accomplish. Here. We got to get Molly Kiram in here. Um, no, I, I feel like uh, the, the Nuggets fans have already found me, so I appreciate you plugging me and, and telling all your listeners. Uh, I'm sure there's more to come, but they, they have found their way into my YouTube comments plenty already. I've, I've already started to feel it. I Apparently watching a few games of a five-game series that was mostly a blowout in the first round between Denver and Minnesota makes me very dumb about this team, so I, I hope people haven't turned it off already. But no, it should be a very exciting series. I'm excited to break it down. Yeah, so we're gonna get into we're gonna preview Suns Nuggets and do the, the crossover and try and pick each other's brains on what's going on. Uh, we'll cover the key matchups, all those types of dynamics. We've done a lot of the preview work over at Locked On Nuggets already, Brendan. Um, for Locked On Nuggets, I want to ask you this question, like right up front: What is the the player outside of Nikola Jokic that Suns fans are most like? We got to watch out for this player. Who is that guy for Suns fans? To be completely honest, I think Suns fans uh, are, are are mimicking a little bit of the team mantra that they try to uphold, which is kind of focusing on themselves, which is a thing you hear a lot this time of year, but the Suns love to plug that. And it feels kind of like Suns fans are genuinely on that page right now, mostly because the number one thing that got in their way uh, out, after Kawhi Leonard's injury in that first round series sort of was themselves. And so... I think that there is is much more of how can Dev, Kevin Durant get involved? How can uh, Chris Paul be more consistent in a given role and adapt between roles? Will DeAndre Ayton bring his focus and consistency as needed? But I do feel like from the Denver side, I'll speak for myself to say that the number one thing different from 2021 when these teams faced off and I think a, a large part of the story coming off of what Denver did in the first round is Jamal Murray and the ways in which that two-man game, which obviously is so fundamental to everything Denver does, is going to challenge the Suns' defense in a way that nothing the Clippers did, even when Kawhi was being his robot Michael Jordan-ish self, uh, it did. That, that is its own beast. 
Murray Jokic is another beast, and it will test the Suns in ways that I'm not ready. I'm not sure if they're ready for to be completely honest with you on the defensive end. So that's my answer. It, it has to be Murray outside of Jokic. Yeah, I think there's a we we debated a lot about this, and we just did a, a huge mega pod with some other Nuggets podcasters. And one of the things that we talked about was about the balance between Jamal Murray, you know, having these explosive games, having these huge performances, the pop, playoff Murray, bubble Murray, that kind of performance, and like the need for him to you know just contribute and be impactful. Whether that's you know a 25 and nine game might be better than a 37 and four game. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's just the assists, but he's going to have to be balanced. I think in, in terms of the approach, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and grill you here a little bit. Yeah. So I, as like a national guy that covers the whole league for a long time, um, I am a firm believer that you don't like, you don't get to pick your opponents in the NBA. You don't get to be like, you just whoever's in front of you that that's who you play is there any sort of awareness of the fact that the Suns have faced what i would consider to be injuries are always a part of the tapestry of any championship run any finals run you're gonna have it have have played teams with injuries that's just how it goes the Suns, however i've started describing them as the oregon trail because everyone gets dysentery and dies when they're on them um is there any sort of like perspective that you have not necessarily for Suns fans but that you have there's nothing to apologize for no. right like you don't they didn't do anything wrong just that how that influences your attempts to assess the team's postseason identity I think that that is fair obviously I will say uh two things to to counter that a bit would be they did. They, it's not as if they've gotten rolled over when they did lose to healthy teams, right? Sure. They shouldn't have lost to Dallas, but that series still went seven. They seem to have hold of it. They took two games from an all-time Giannis series. Maybe the two games after his leg almost snapped in half, but they were the two games that they took. Um, so that you know, I think that that should matter. But honestly, when I think about that, I think mostly of coaching mm. because. I feel I listened to the show you and Adam did yesterday, um, and I think you guys had a little bit of a different vibe on on the coaching. And I think Suns fans do worry about Monty and some of his very sort of Popovichian, I think, habits and and mm -hmm. and old school mentality on certain things. He wants size. He gets married to the rotation that he wants to have, not the one he should have. I feel like there are the uh, over-aggressive, proactive, and honestly, even sometimes reactive picking at things um, that I think elite playoff coaches do that we've now seen this team go up against Ty Lue twice, and he's a great example of a coach that might have other warts but does that to a, a great degree with his personnel and his scheme and everything else, getting the guys ready to execute that scheme. And I don't know if Monty is somebody who always does that. He's more... Let's kind of roll with what got us here. And so I think the healthy opponent that can really run what it wants to be doing at all times without absences from that, to me, that puts, puts your coaching on the, the, the hot seat the most, not the hot seat to get fired, the hot seat to adapt and, and survive. And so that, that, that to me is where my mind goes more so than anything else is what do they do against a team that is getting what it wants and isn't okay. We're solving for not having Paul George. We're solving for not having so-and-so. And, and I don't know what the answer will be. We've never seen it. Like you said. 
On the other side, I want to ask Brendan a little bit about Chris Paul. I want to ask him about some of what he thinks are going to be the keys of the series from the Suns' perspective if they're going to get a win versus the Nuggets. Uh, And we'll touch a little bit on some of the bench battles as well because it should be an interesting and, to be honest, kind of hilarious battle of benches in this one. We'll do that in a minute. But first, I need to tell you about the Nissan Aria, Nissan's most electric player of the week. Is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Uh, this is a crossover show between Locked On Suns and Locked On Nuggets. And so I'm not going to go with either one because we're going to be straight down the middle. And we're going to give it to Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler just kind of gets all the awards this week. That's what Jimmy Butler gets is all of the awards. He also gets the Nissan Aria Player of the Week. I'm pretty sure that Locked On Bucks probably gave him Nissan's Player of the Week this week. Uh, the Nissan Aria it's a combination of fierceness and elegance and man was Jimmy both fierce and elegant in every single aspect of that dominating series versus the Milwaukee bucks, uh, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful, the perfect combination for an SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV, the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive shop now at Nissan USA dot com we're also brought to you today by better help the show is brought to you by better help uh want to let you know look ther- therapy is a big deal it's not a not a big deal but it doesn't have to be this huge intimidating thing it's absolutely something that is reasonable and that everyone can really gain from it's just work on yourself um it's an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself, which I think is the best thing about it. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. And I've done different stints in therapy. I've had times like I, the person, the problems that I had when I was 22 are not the problems I had when I was 28. And the problems I had at 28 are definitely not the problems I have at 40. So like you're going to, if you're younger, like you're going to go through these processes and processes. And as you do that, you're going to have different times when, you're going to work through some stuff and be like, oh, I feel better. And then you're going to need and be like, oh, I think I'm going through some stuff. I need to get back in there. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. Like Giannis. Giannis had a great opportunity to talk through his feelings about himself and where he's at in his life. And it seems like that was cathartic for him to express all his feelings about failure. So it just shows you therapy. Media sessions can be therapy. Don't be afraid of it players it's just think of it like therapy don't do that that's not a good idea that will result in bad things but still therapy is very good uh better help connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge discover your potential with BetterHelp. visit betterhelp.com slash locked on nba today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on nba we'll be right back on locked on nuggets and locked on suns back here on this locked on crossover between locked on suns and locked on nuggets i'm matt moore at hp basketball joined by brendan clean at brendan clean 14 uh, Brandon, I want to ask you about Chris Paul because so uh, I am a Chris call Chris, Chris call Chris Paul appreciator uh, have been for a very long time. A lot of what I find in terms of people that attitudes towards Chris Paul is age dependent because for me, Chris Paul is always the dude from 2008 that absolutely took it to the San Antonio Spurs uh, in a dominating second round series. That was absolutely incredible. They lost 
Like he was dominant. They lost because game sevens and Gennaro Pargo missed like 18 threes. Um, I've seen Chris go to LA and that period with the Clippers and how good that Clippers team was. Couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Like a lot of teams. And now we're here. And I'll tell you, I did a couple of streams for the NBA covering Suns games late in the season. And the thing I'll say is there are stretches. There are quarters. There are games where I'm like, that's Chris Paul. He's the point guard. He is still that guy. There are long stretches in games where I'm like, oof. Father time is not kind. And Chris is not the same kind of dude. Compared to when Chris arrived two seasons ago, what percentage of that player do you think Chris is? And you don't have to speak in like, give me a 37%. Just like generally speaking, how much of the point God is Chris still able to be on a minute by minute game by game basis? Uh, 70. I mean, I, I think that the, the main thing that you feel is there doesn't seem to be the confidence in the lift and the, the separation ability on the mid range jumper. And everything flows off of that. Even the, the amazing ability that he has to read the floor, even the preternatural reading of, of defenses and expectation of what's going to be happening in front of him, that all obviously has not gone away. But there has to be a threat of something else. You know, There has to be a threat of, I'm going to go here, then this will happen, and then this person will be open, even if there's a great scheme or other great talent around him. And I, and I feel like that's the part that's been, then that's been missing this season, he's only shooting 41% so far in the playoffs. He only shot 44% in the regular season. Numbers that are his worst since that last season in Houston, which is the last time we all thought that he was on the way down. So uh, I, I don't know if he'll maybe have another three all-star seasons up his sleeve after this. I kind of doubt it. But yeah, that that's to me, he, he can create steals still. He can make pull-up threes over a big man. He can make the mid-range shot at times. He can, of course have a nice drop pass or lob to DeAndre Ayton or find a, a shooter that you weren't expecting, manipulate the low man on a pick and roll, all these things that we know he's great at, but it's not going to happen all the time, and it's definitely not going to happen if the defense isn't treating him as a threat to score. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be an interesting kind of thing here is whether the Nuggets test that again this year because he was so dominant in that sweep of the Nuggets two seasons ago where he just got to the mid-range in every single time. Uh, because he knows how much space he can get. One of the things that is also important to note is it wasn't just like Chris pulling up in those mid-range situations. He's got a really great feel for how to drag Jokic out and get him into ISOs. And now Jokic has to step up a little bit. So now your back line's compromised. And like that opens up the lane a little bit more. There's all these ways that Chris is able to manipulate the defense. And, and that, to me, is still what he brings at a really high level. Um, yeah, I think that series to me was a it was a ball movement victory series more so than anything else. And Chris just kind of ended up being the benefit beneficiary of it a lot. And obviously late they went to that drop and everybody's kind of been talking about that a ton this week in the lead up to this. But, you know, a lot of it, too, was uh, a second side additional pick and roll with 12 left on the clock. Right. And now Jokic is now having to guard a second pick and roll when he just was on the perimeter and has to recover back to contain that. And everybody scrambled and then all of a sudden it's a, a Jay Crowder three over a seven time trend uh, rotated defense that just was out of gas and kind of losing track of what was going on that that to me is what I picture as what did the Nuggets in obviously Chris had plenty to do with it late in games and everything else but the reason that the Suns were so hard to stop Booker wasn't amazing in that series it was yeah. just ball movement 
based on, again, the threat of Chris Paul to kind of kill you in a number of ways and then him playing off of that? Um, well, it's not DeAndre Aiden because he has, I think, the most pressure on him of any Phoenix Sun. Like, KD's not going to have a really tough assignment on the wing. Devin's going to have to guard Jamal probably some, but not, like, a lot. Um, neither one of them is going to be matched up with Nikola. DeAndre is. Obviously, that relationship has been complicated the last couple of years. Um, it got really bad there in that stretch where the, the Suns' pets' heads fell off. They had so many injuries. Like, one of the reasons that I was pretty high on the Suns um, in general before the Kevin Durant trade, and especially after, is I was like, look, this was the one seed in the West before everybody started getting hurt. It was like, they were the one seed. They went to New Orleans. Everything fell apart. Their pets' heads fell off. They sucked for two months, and then everybody got healthy, and then they were good again. But I am kind of curious. This is like a high-pressure situation for DeAndre, and there's going to be a lot of, I think, expectations on him. Um, As someone that covers the Suns, one, do you expect them to let DeAndre try and cover Jokic one-on-one instead of bringing doubles? And two, are they in a good enough place chemistry-wise to deal if he struggles? Is is that going to be okay because there's been a lot of tension there. Uh, I think they will, at, at least until they absolutely have to break the glass, they will trust him to guard Jokic one-on-one. I don't, I think if they have to not, if they have to stop doing that for, as like the game plan going into a game, for instance, not just, okay, it's the fourth quarter, let's try something different here. But if that becomes what, what their base defense is, they have to send help the minute that he touches the ball in first quarter. I think the Nuggets have kind of won the series at that point to me. I mean, I I just don't think you mentioned the chemistry from a kind of interpersonal standpoint, I think is what you were getting at there with the way game seven in Dallas uh, against Dallas ended last year and the matching or not matching of the restricted free agent contract, all that stuff that hasn't really reared its head in a way that I'm willing to like guess or speculate or speak to it. It's all, it's always there. It's always under the surface. Monty has kind of taken the path in this playoff so far after a pretty poor first round on the whole for Mayton, at least an inconsistent first round to take the, the positive road. He hasn't said a negative thing about Aiton at all. And he's been pra- pra- praising him for the ways he has been impacting the game, offensive rebounding, etc. I don't know if that will rear its head. It obviously could. I think if they end up needing to adjust how they're guarding Joker, sending doubles, switching. I mean, there's not really a great plan if, if you're not able to, to d- defend him one-on-one. Um, I just don't trust them to execute that with so little time together. One thing, it's one thing on offense to adjust, but you always have the bailout of Booker and Durant can hit impossible shots. If you're having to communicate and, and adjust in real time at a super high level in the half court defensively and doing things you've never done before with much lesser defensive personnel than they had two years ago, I think that to me is going to be a, a real emergency for the Suns. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes. I'm also just, I'm, I wonder if maybe some of the tension might have dissipated because like Mikhail was so, was like really frustrated with Aiden in, in the month of January. Like there were several games where I was like, wow, Mikhail is not happy. And so maybe that, that alleviates part of it because I don't think KD, KD seems pretty good with everybody. <laughs> I don't know who KD doesn't get along with necessarily. Um, so it doesn't Yeah, like I will say, either. you know, they, they were asked about it. Chris was asked about it this morning. Just how did you see him rise to the occasion two years ago? And 
what what are you looking for from him this time around kind of obviously the message underneath that question like do you think he's ready for this and I think your point about the pressure is actually a good one because two years ago it was a pleasant surprise that it worked out so well right Mm -hmm. it was like wow this guy's this guy was ready for this our young I mean that he was like 23 years old that series right he he held up wow now it's he has to hold up (laughs) like you mentioned the baggage of, of all of it um, I think he's great in the playoffs when he has something to do. And yeah. I don't think he had something to do in the Clippers series. I actually think some of his best moments, the glass he sort of committed to games three through five. Game two to me was his best defensive game of the series when Kawhi was still playing and they developed what they wanted to do after he killed them in game one. And they just said, Aiton's going to basically kind of leave the center and allow that dump pass and just stonewall Kawhi on the drives to the basket. Just be, he'll be the second man. And I thought Aiton, especially in the second half of game two, did a pretty good job of that. Pelican series last year, he busts out all these offensive moves we've never seen him do before because they just needed the offense when Booker pulled the hamstring in game two. Clippers series two years ago, Offensive rebounding, physicality, obviously he was much more of a focal point in the game plan. Um, and then Dallas last year, what was he supposed to do? They weren't treating him as a threat. They weren't really involving him offensively. Luka negated the need for an Aiton defensively because he was just kind of getting threes and getting his own kind of mid-rangey floater stuff. So Aiton was relegated. And I think that's where you start to run into problems. If he doesn't feel like he has a job, if he doesn't feel like there's a thing he can set his mind to, that's when it get, becomes a problem. And I think, I hope, defend the, the reigning two-time MVP is plenty of a thing to do. And, and he'll be able to commit to that. On the other side, I want to ask Brendan about the bench. I also want to ask him about this. This one is a one that I don't honestly have an answer for, which is like, what's Devin Booker not good at right now? We'll do that on the other side. But first, I'm going to tell you about eBay Motors. eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions apply as well. Back here on Locked On Crossover, Locked On Suns, Locked On Nuggets. I'm Matt Moore at HP Basketball from Locked On Nuggets. He's Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns at Brendan Clean 14. You can check out the show on YouTube. Hit the like, review, and subscribe buttons for both of us because that's the best way to support the show. And I'm tired of all the other channels talking about how good their YouTube subscribers are. I'm really tired of Nick Angstot with that nonsense. Congratulations. You have a lot of Slovenian people. Congrats, Nick. It's not special. It's not special. The team's the team's a cowardly train wreck. How about that? Um, that's I right. Throw in, I just we locked on Suns community shout out. We just passed the locked on nuggets community by a touch. Yep. See, that's the other uh, underlying competition here in the second round is sub counts for our channels, but uh, probably matters a little less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I ask you, these are some quick hitter questions I want to hit you with. Um, one, I tease on, on before the break. 
Devin is playing the best basketball I've ever seen. I think he's playing at an extremely high level. Uh, Seth Partnow asked a question this week about how we compare Booker and Tatum, which is very high praise. And honestly, at this point, kind of like Booker. That's where I'm at. Uh, I think he's become, since Katie got there, I love the way that he's adapted to being, there are times when he's a scorer and there are times when he's an engine and there are times when he's a mix of both and he's making all the right reads and he's playing good defense. I am legitimately asking, what are the things that Devin Booker is not doing well right now? Is there anything that the Nuggets can look to and be like, well, he at least doesn't do this well? So I liked the way you put it on on the show you did with Adam, which was that he might, it, it would feel crazy to call him better than Durant because he's seven feet tall and all this stuff. And I've been talking about this on my show too, but you said he was more impactful right now than Durant. And I think that that feels right uh, as much as Durant being so tall and able to create a good shot for himself at any time. Booker's smaller and therefore can dribble and and drive downhill more easily. And I think that's really been the development in his game. He was just a complete train, just like a one of those bullet trains in Japan to the basket in the first round. And he really was that when he was healthy and feeling good most of the regular season. I think this was far and away his best regular season as well. He just wasn't healthy enough to get the All-NBA stuff and All-Star that should have followed. As far as what he's not good at right now, I still think as distant of a memory as it might feel, uh, it doesn't feel distant for Suns fans, and I think it did show us the template, which is the Dallas series. Taking the ball out of his hands, making him make mistakes, trying to pass over length, trying to uh, you know split the double team, trying to dribble around, tiring himself out. Those are the ways that you can, I think, still force him into errors. Now, that's sort of true of any great player, but I don't think he's Damian Lillard breaking through that stuff. He's not as automatic of a threat to pull up uh, over certain defenses, um, although I think he should remember that he's great at that in this series in particular. And so that, to me, still feels like a recipe. Now, can can Denver do it, which was part of your question? Denver doesn't have Dorian Finney-Smith and peak Reggie Bullock, uh, like like th- th- like Dallas did. Um, so I don't know if, if Denver can pull that off. I don't know if they'll even try to pull that off. But if you're not able to do that, he's an automatic. Uh, if he's attacking a closeout or if he gets around uh, a, a blitz, if he um, comes downhill in any way, he's a, an automatic mid-range pull-up. If you overplay that, he's going to get to the basket. He's better at drawing fouls than he used to be. He does make the pull-up three when he remembers to take it. And he basically, there's not a pass that he's not comfortable with at this point in time. The, the whip pass, the skip, whipped skip pass to the corner that he was making to Durant frequently in that Clippers series is freakish. There's only a handful of dudes in the league who can make that. He's comfortable with it. He's looking for Aiton. He's looking for the strong side if you help off that. Uh, like there's just, there's not really a recipe if he's able to break down that initial defense when he's taking a screen. If he doesn't take a screen, he's probably scoring on you either way. So uh, it's it's really it's, it's it's a pick your poison with no great answer right now. How's Aiden on the short roll? I think he's fine. I think he uses that as an opportunity to try to find some offense for himself a little too often for my okay. liking. That's like, if you watch that Clippers series, that was, oh, I get to take a mid-range jumper now? And it's like, no, you probably should just be finding the corner shooter, but you haven't shot the ball in 15 minutes, so I can see why you would want to do that. Yeah, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how much he uses the screen, like you said, how much he rejects. Like, that's kind of the – if that's like the cheat code, honestly, to the to Denver's defense is uh, – Yogesh does not disguise what he's doing. 
not really possible for the big fella to, to like be sneaky. Uh, he's going to let you know if he's coming up at the level and he's going to let you know if he's dropping. And so uh, if Booker's able to make that read when Joker shows, he shows so hard to try and anticipate and to try and close space that Booker can reject and get back middle. Um, mm-hmm. That's been a pretty successful strategy versus Denver. They do run at the level. If the guy takes the pick, it they, they are much better in that scheme. And that would be like a, a way to go about it is, all right, we're going to blitz the Booker pick and rolls. We're going to drop versus Chris and see if Chris has that, that old mid range magic still until he does. And then, okay, we're going to blitz him too. And then just deal with the backside rotation um, benches. Well, before we do benches is Tory Craig going to, I was very concerned as you, if you listen to the podcast, I was very concerned that Monty's yeah. like, we're changing the starting lineup for game one of the playoffs. I was like, this- I was kind of surprised to hear you say that because I didn't feel like it was that extreme considering that they've had so much, upheaval throughout the year it's like what's another change you know yeah, Kogi had only it, been the starter like, for a couple months at that point you know yeah because it's like it's really is it's like the core four and then just like one of the other guys so i like i get it it was just weird to me to be like this is who we are nope mm-hmm. this is who we are now that's that seemed mm-hmm. like a weird and worked out because tori decided to shoot 63 percent from three um do you anticipate them starting tori going forward or going back to okogi or are you just like i really don't know it could be either one I mean, I, I think if I'm being honest, I don't know. I think that they should start Josh Okogie. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a very bad idea to try to have Devin Booker chasing Jamal Murray. Um, I think that if Devin Booker, it, he made a lot of noise around his defense in the in the first series, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But to me, it was just like the 115% version of what he's always been great at defensively, which is if you put him on a, a defender... Uh, a score one on one. He's he's been pretty good at doing that. Like he guarded Middleton by the end of the finals because that became the best option and I thought he was fine at that, right? Like that's something he's always been able to do. If he's reading plays and creating turnovers, he's kind of always been able to rotate as an off-ball guy if his man is not much of a threat. That that's sort of like the, to me it was like the best case scenario of what he's been great at for a long time. I don't feel like it's a smart idea to have him use the Physical energy, sure. Mental energy that he's going to have to take up to try to defend Murray. So, and I don't feel like Tory Craig is great running through screens, or um, he's not the quickest guy, not the most explosive. So you could easily just even see Murray beating him off the bounce in space. I, I almost like I really feel like you have to start a Kogi. As much as I agree, it, it would be another change, but I think change is going to just be the name of the game as we get to the benches here in a second. I, I don't feel like the Suns. Should anybody in that locker room should be prepared for anything that Monty comes out of Monty's mouth outside of, like you said, those four guys. So to me, starting a Kogi is kind of a no brainer. Whoever's in that spot does need to make threes. I don't know if anyone's a great bet to make those threes, to be honest. So I, I wouldn't really organize your rotation based on that. I would organize it around what you do know they're going to do. And I think a Kogi is a good option on, on Jamal. Uh, the benches are interesting in this series Denver's bench was a disaster and then basically Malone was just like who needs ball handling we're just gonna put out five defenders and roll with it and that's worked out pretty well for them um they were great in the Wolves series they were really impactful in that Wolves series honestly uh the Suns bench is it's so I remember when the Suns bench lost the Adelaide uh Adelaide team in preseason 36ers yeah yeah uh and then 
wasn't that bad in terms of statistically this season. It does feel like Suns fans are very worried about the bench. Um, what are your thoughts on the bench matchup in this series? I'm particularly interested to get your thoughts on Landry Shamit and how he fits into his role on this team or campaign now that he's back healthy. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit surprised. Sounds like a little bit that you were uh, that Malone not only picked who he picked to be the three, but also uh, trimmed the bench so much right away. I was kind of looking toward the second round as maybe an opportunity for the Suns to not have to play their superstars so much. And then Denver kind of hit the ground running with their playoff, like deep playoff rotation from the jump. Not to say it won't change, but it feels like they're they're pretty committed to that. So um, I don't know if, for instance, campaign is going to be a real good option in this series because, I mean, I, I guess you can put him on Christian Brown, but I feel like Bruce Brown is going to be able to kind of overpower him driving to the basket. I feel like you're very easily going to get to a situation where Payne is just guarding somebody that you don't want him to have to guard. And he's out of rhythm and he doesn't have a lot of chemistry with these other guys. So it might sound weird to voluntarily kind of subjugate one of your better players in a big playoff series, but I don't know. I don't know what the plan will be for him. And I don't know if there's a good role for him to play outside of, obviously we know he can do some things offensively. Um, I think Shamit to me is probably one of the, the better non Murray or non Akogi options on Murray, to be honest. He's not amazing fighting through screens. He's also not the best athlete, but I feel like he's one of the better guys they could try if if Akogi's not in the game for some reason, if they don't want to do it with Booker. I think he'll still have a role. Monty uh, can't quit him. Um, I think I would try maybe in the beginning of this series to see if you could buy some minutes for Terrence Ross. I would also include TJ Warren as a possibility, but it doesn't seem like that's in the cards. I I just have to let that go. Um, So I would try to see if you can get eight points from Terrence Ross in six minutes, because if you can, great. Um, So that's kind of how I see it playing out, but I feel like it'll be Biombo at backup five. I feel like obviously whoever doesn't start between Craig and Akogi will, will be prominently featured in a, in a bench situation. And then it's sort of a, a you know roulette of who gets the guard minutes as it has been uh, all playoffs. Yeah, every Suns podcaster I've listened to, including your show, has been like, I guess TJ Warren is just not a thing, even though he's been like an NBA. Like for Nuggets fans listening, TJ Warren is like the Vlaco of the Suns, except like TJ Warren actually has started NBA games and has like a longstanding, like solid NBA career as like a notable guy. Um, but he's the guy that they're all like, why why isn't tj warren playing because it's like tj warren's good why isn't tj warren playing at all and he's just kind of not and he's Um, big you know he's big that's one of the other things it's like clippers everybody on their rotation has size the nuggets now with with their backups have size you'd think tj should should figure but he hasn't i will say last thing on the benches i feel like bruce brown is i heard you say this too uh probably the best book stopper. I might even like him more than KCP to be completely honest with you. Cause I feel like you're not really going to stop Booker uh, one-on-one, no matter who you are uh, in most cases outside of some names that aren't going to be on either team in this series. And I think the best you can try to do is just play Booker physically. That's always been what gets to him. It's your best hope. So I think Bruce Brown's the best guy to do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of becomes a little bit of a, surprise to maybe people outside of Phoenix and Denver of how much time he's getting and how impactful he is. Um, before we get predictions for the series from you, I do want to ask you, um, 
everyone else seems to be talking about it. I don't necessarily know that Suns fans are that like some Suns fans I've seen are concerned and some are like, no, it's fine. Um, are you worried at all that Kevin Durant, Chris Paul and Devin Booker's legs are going to completely fall off from the fact that they're having to play 58 minutes a night? Like, are they planning to sit down at all ever is my question for you. Uh, well, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, I was thinking of this as a potential matchup where rotations might be nine or 10 deep, at least in game, you know, one, two doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. So probably not. Um, I think an interesting part of this to me is like Durant, if he's aggressive and able to dribble more in this series, which was a problem for him in the first round with how aggressively they were putting guards on him and just knocking the ball. I think that's kind of the, probably the most surefire way for the Suns to win the series. But that was one of the ways that I feel like quietly he was able to play so many minutes is because he wasn't always involved and didn't have the ball in his hands as much as he Mm. did say in Brooklyn. Interesting. So if that's not an option either, then it becomes a, a more exhausting 45 minutes, you know, like than it was against the Clippers. So we'll see. Um, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, I guess if Payne is able to have a role and is able to stay on the court, then at least Chris could play a little less, but I'm not sure if that'll happen. I have nuggets in six. This is, I said this on one of our pods, all of the, all of the Suns people. And like, if, if you're just like a reporter in Phoenix and you cover the Suns, you're going to be like, it's probably going to be Suns in six or seven. And if you're a person that covers the nuggets, you're likely going to be like nuggets in six or seven. Um, I think the Suns can absolutely win the series. I think the Suns have a, an incredible array of talent. They have Kevin freaking Durant, and I'm not sure that he's like the best guy right now. That's crazy. That's how good Devin is playing right now. Um, they do have size. They do have Chris Paul. Like when Chris Paul is like option three or four, it's pretty good. Um, but Denver's depth of weaponry is a little bit better. Jokic is a special world breaker. Denver's really great at home. The Suns are really good at home. Denver's not good on the road. Um, I have Nuggets in six. Would not surprise me if it went the other direction. I like the the I like the Jokic versus Aiden matchup. Jokic is twenty one of thirty three versus Aiden in the regular season, the last two seasons, and the admittedly wonky matchup data. The reality is that Jokic tends to figure out his opponent. Like that's just what I've seen from covering him for the duration of his career is he will struggle with a guy and then figure him out and once he does it's curtains and i kind of think that he's going to get the suns out of their comfort zone and to be honest with you i don't know how the suns are going to react when they're out of their comfort zone because they haven't really been out of it at all at all like this year with like outside of the injuries like since kd showed up and at various times in the playoffs they do tend to get a little frazzled when things start to go the other direction so i have some concerns there um they can absolutely win the series but i lean towards nuggets and six what's your prediction yeah, I think your your analysis on it at the beginning is probably right. When it is such a toss-up, I think you're going to have people kind of sort themselves into their camps. Uh, so I, I had Suns in seven. Winning a game seven on the road doesn't sound like a ton of fun in Denver um, with that team being so kind of ruthless and relentless with the Nuggets. But uh, I, I'll just say, again, to reiterate, Durant gets talked about as little on some of these analysis podcasts and articles as he uh, maybe takes over games. Uh, so maybe it is a little bit uh, correlated and fair there. He doesn't demand to be spoken about uh, in the same way that maybe Booker's performance would demand that. But I think if he, 
I think this is a series where he'll he'll be able to get isolations and kind of one-on-one opportunities more easily than he did against the Clippers. I think this is a series where he could play center in some lineups that he didn't really get to do much. He hasn't done much yet. Maybe the Suns just don't want to go there, but I think if if that if they want to, this will be a time to potentially try that when Joker's off the floor. And again, if, if he is aggressive and, and they're able to get him opportunities and looks that he can score even more than he was, create even more than he was in that last round, I'm not really worried about Booker being able to continue his streak. We know the defensive stuff with Aiton, but feels like this is a Durant series and uh, an opportunity for him to be the best guy in the series. He's capable of that. It's just a matter of can they as a team make it happen and is he going to kind of take it? Um, so if that happens, that would kind of be why I would I would say Suns in seven. But like you, I could very easily see Denver winning this series. They are going to be they're going to demand that the Suns get there. You know what figured out from the opening tip on Saturday, and that's its own kind of tough matchup. Even if some of the things do favor the Suns matchup wise. If KD's not the best player in the series, Booker can be the best player in the series. If Booker's not the best player in the series, KD can be the best player in the series. Jokic, I think, has to be the best player in the series. Adam and Ryan would probably suggest that that Jamal could potentially be the best player in the series. I'm skeptical of that, but if Jamal does it, I'm not going to be like, wow. I would just be like, whoa, Jamal Murray was the best player in the series with Kevin Durant uh, and Devin Booker. But then again, he was the best player in a series with Donovan Mitchell. So not really the same level, but ish. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you can catch Brendan over at Locked On Suns. Catch him on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Uh, my thanks to the comment section for being kind today. I appreciate you guys being respectful and polite. This is going to be a nasty, nasty, nasty series online. I want everybody think before you tweet. Think before you comment. Don't go to the other team's shows. Just hang out in your own communities and enjoy a good basketball series. No one will do this. It will absolutely be a disaster, but that's that's part of uh, what sports is. Brendan, thanks for joining me on this uh, this crossover episode of Locked On Nuggets and Locked On Suns. Thanks. I didn't see the comments till now. That's probably good. They've they've been nice. They've been nice. Okay. They said that you seem like a, you you seem smart and nice, and then they Great. said unlike Suns fans. Um, so you know, <laughs> it's here we go. It's gonna gonna be gonna be a whole two weeks thing. Thanks Away we go. Time. Yeah. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Hit the uh, like button. Hey, if you're listening to Unlocked on Nuggets, they're passing us in YouTube views. What are you guys doing? Passing us in YouTube subscribers. Get on it. Send the show to a friend. Buy one of those farms that, that just creates users. Get, wow. Build, build a bot. What are you guys doing? I can't do it. I'm making content for you. Help me out. Uh, we'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us on Locked on Suns and Locked on Nuggets.